Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Well, today, today we dive in and I begin with a question. The question is this, what is the worst thing you've ever done? can hear a pin drop on that one, right? That sounds like an awkward job inter- interview question gone wrong. Right? What's the worst thing you've ever done? And, and some of you are looking around like, is it too late to get out of the room to pretend like I'm a kid going to Kid City? But, but I start with that question today. Seriously though, think, think about it with me for a minute. It's the worst thing. And what did you say in that moment to God? Maybe nothing. What, 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 would, you say, what would you say to him now about it? If anything, what if you had today a secret and only God knew it and no one one else did? And deep inside, maybe you felt some shame or some guilt or like you're, you're hiding, you're a little bit phony, you're a little bit fake because no one knows your secret. Do you ever look around a room, maybe a room like this, maybe any room that you're in and just think if, if these people really knew whatever it is, fill in the blank. If they really knew this, what would they think of me? That they would reject me. That, yeah, I, I don't belong here. Have you ever thought, what, what do I do now? What do I do with, with that, that thing from my past that, that's so heavy or so shameful? What, what do I do with my, my sin? If... <laughs> If you've ever thought that, if you've ever felt that way, if you feel like that today, then the words that we're going to read today are a lifeline for you. They're a lifeline for you. Uh, Thousands of years ago, uh, a collection, a collection of of lyrical poems were written. and, And it was a large kind of ancient hymnal of sorts. And it was written over the span of a thousand years. Multiple different authors over a thousand different years wrote this collection of hymns. In the Hebrew, it was originally titled Tehillim, which in Hebrew means praise songs. We just did some praising in the room uh, a few minutes ago, right? And, And that's what originally this composite of poems, that's what it was called, praise songs. And today we know it in our Bible as the book of Psalms. We often credit David, as we should, with many of the writings, but, but several other authors contributed. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to look at three specific psalms, ancient writings, psalms that would have been put toward music, the anthems of praise. And we're going to look at three specific psalms, not just because they're ancient texts, which is beautiful and, and wonderful and mysterious, right? But we believe that these words that we're going to read still have meaning and value today today. So our series is called Psalms for Now. Psalms for Now. Listen, today, right now, God's word is speaking. It has spoken, but we believe this word, this truth, God's word is speaking right now. In fact, I believe God's word wants to speak to you right now, wherever you are in your life, whatever you have going on, his word 
is speaking and desires, he desires to speak into your life, into your heart right now through his word. So, church, will you join me? Will you turn today to Psalm 51? Psalm 51. During this series, we're going to do something a little bit different in the reading of the word. I'm going to invite a different voice. You get to hear my voice a lot. I'm going to invite a different voice to come uh, each week to help us in reading the word. And so today, I've got my friend Rob. He's going to come now and help us open up the word together. And he's going to read from Psalm 51 for us as we proclaim the word of the Lord. And we're going to do something else we don't always do. I'm going to invite you to stand. Now, I know you were just standing, but you can do it for like two more minutes. Would you stand this morning for the reading? of God's word. This is not our words. This is not our truth. We believe that these, these words written thousands of years ago are still alive and true today. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. Rob, would you read for us today? First off, good morning, folks. Psalm 51. For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings whole offered. Then the bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of God. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. We believe this is the word of the Lord for us today. Psalm 51. What do I do with my sin? What do I do with my sin? If there's a question that Psalm 51 asks, it's that question. What do I do with my sin? Uh, I began today asking you the question, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And what if the weight of that, the burden of that, the shame of that was hanging so heavy that it felt unbearable to you? If that's true, then these words that we just read, Psalm 51, they're a gift. They're, for those of us that are desperate or wrestling with shame or brokenness from our past, if we feel overwhelmed by the darkness, then these words for us are a gift. 
You might be familiar with these words, Psalm 51. You might even be familiar with the context, but let's, let's look at it for a minute because it's, it's one of the Bible's great tragedies. Great tragedies. Uh, Rob actually read it for us there in the beginning of my Psalm 51. It gives a little bit of a background, a context for this psalm, th- this hymn of praise, right? And, and what is the context? What does it say? It's, it's because David, King David, committed adultery. He committed adultery. And now he's being confronted by the prophet Nathan. Many of you know the story. If you don't, you can find it later today in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. The story goes something like this. David was king. He he was a man after God's own heart. He was the one that God had anointed as king. He was a pretty, pretty important guy. And yet, and yet, when he should have been out at war, the scripture tells us that, that he should have been out leading his people, he was back at home. And it was at night. And he was restless. You can see the groundwork, the foundation being laid here for some problems. He he wasn't where he should have been. And instead, he, he was back and he was alone and he was restless. And it was late at night and he's up on the roof and he sees a beautiful woman. Bathsheba. And, and he's not, he doesn't just see her, he, he desires her. And, and Bathsheba, she's married. She, she has a husband, Uriah, who is out at war. He is being loyal and faithful to what he's supposed to be doing. So David, king, uses his power, right, to say, I want that. So he asks Bathsheba to be brought to him, and he sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. This is bad. The king. The king, who should use his power, wield his power to, to, to help others, right? right? No, he uses his power for his own benefit to get what he wants when he wants it, even another man's wife. And to make matters worse, he tries to cover it up. Eventually, eventually he sends her husband to the front lines where he is killed. And he hopes everything will go back to normal, like some of us, right? Like some of us in response to the problem the sin of our past. We just wish it would go away, but it doesn't, right? God knows. God knows, and he sends his prophet to come and confront the king, the king. He comes before the king and says, the Lord knows what you have done, and now, and now David has to decide how he will respond, and that's why Psalm 51 begs this question, what do I do with my sin? What do I do with my sin? Here is the crossroads, the crossroads for one of the most notorious sins in all of the Bible. David has a choice, and so do we. So do we, don't we? If we put ourselves in David's position, oh, I've never done something that bad, right? But but if we place ourselves here for a moment, then we consider the crossroads moments that we come to in our lives, don't we? What will we do, (laughs) How will we respond when we come face to face with the ugly sin, the consequences of our selfishness? This is our question too, isn't it? What do I do with my sin? Well, well, there's all kinds of ways we respond. Can I just suggest two? (laughs) Two ways that we often respond when confronted face to face with the consequences, with the ugliness of sin. One way that we respond is we run. (laughs) 
We run away, run, forest, run. If you're young in the room, you've never seen that movie and you have no idea, but my generation gets it, right? Run, we're forced to face with our junk. What do we do? We run as far away as we can. Like I've got a preschooler, you know what? She does when she does, she knows she's done something wrong. She doesn't want to listen to what mom and dad are saying. She's right there in the middle of the room and maybe it's not physically running away, but she does this. You know, we tell her, you can't do it. Why did you do that? She just does this. Or this. And she pretends in that moment, like maybe if she closes her eyes or covers her eyes, that it will all go away. And that's what we do in response to our sin. We run. We run away. We pretend it's not real. We pretend it's okay. We do whatever we can to ignore it, stuff it, self-medicate, turn to other things to make it feel better in the moment. But all we're doing is we're running from our junk from our sin. And we hope that one day the shame will go away. We hope one day that the nagging, that the, the turmoil that we face inside will just go away. And until then, we just keep running to other things, pursuing other things, hoping that next job, that, that next pursuit, the next, the, the, the next time somebody says good job, that that will make it feel better. But we're just running, aren't we? Well, the other thing we do in response to this question, it's a little bit like running. It's a little bit like that, but, but it's, some of us, what do we do? We, we hide. We hide. When faced with our sin and our brokenness, we do exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 1. Exactly what happens when the first sin enters into the world. Adam and Eve there in the garden, they, they, they are selfish. They de- de- deliberately disobey what God tells them to do. And what happens the moment sin enters into the world? They hide. They hide. And generation after generation, we've been hiding ever since, haven't we? What do I do with my sin? Much of us, we, we hide. We, we don't say or admit that we're hiding, but, but th- th- that's exactly what we do. We, we create this facade, and we hope people will just see that and not see the real us. Uh, because the real us is broken and messed up and imperfect. And we don't want anybody to see that. So we just work so hard. And we're exhausted because we can't allow anyone to see that. We can only let them see the parts of us that we want them to see. And so we build walls. Or we build the facade. Or we make sure whatever we put on social media projects this lifestyle that is approved by everyone. Because we can't possibly let them see what's really going on inside of us. We, we buy into this lie that we're unlovable or unworthy. And so we only let people see the version of us that's acceptable. We hide. What do, we, what do I do with my sin? I, I run. I hide. But what happens when we run and we hide sin festers, doesn't it? It doesn't go away. The things from our past, it doesn't go away. It doesn't fade away. It just festers. And it grows, and shame grows. And we sabotage every meaningful relationship in our lives. We turn to something and anything to make us feel better. And we're a mess, an absolute mess. And there's only one, there's only one who wants us to run and hide. There's only one who wants us in response to this question to run and hide, and that's the enemy of your soul. That's not God's desire for you. What 
do I do with my sin? How would David respond to this question? We talked about how we often might respond to that, but how would David in Psalm 51 respond? I mean, talk about sin. Talk about brokenness. Talk about selfishness. I mean, look at what David did. How would he respond? How would he respond to this question? Well, Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance. It's a psalm of repentance. It's not a psalm of run and hide. It's not a psalm of build the facade, build the wall, don't let anybody in, only show them the parts. It's a, it's a psalm of repentance. What is repentance? Re- repentance is this biblical term. It's used throughout scripture, and it's translated often repent or repentance, but it's also translated to turn, or even better, to return. That's Repentance. Repentance is admitting, it's admitting that you have strayed far from God and making the choice to return, return to him. You know what repentance is not today? Repentance is not some obligatory form of I'm sorry. You've all gotten that before. Now look, look, I love the words I'm sorry. Some of us on the way home today, around the lunch table, wherever you're going to be today, you probably, you probably, it would do you some good to turn to some people in your life, get out the phone, call somebody and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Those words are powerful. For some of us, they could be life-changing in our relationships. I'm not downing that, but, but we all know the difference between a real genuine I'm sorry and some kind of force uh, obligatory I'm sorry. That's not what repentance is. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard I'm sorry from somebody and you know they didn't mean it? They're just saying it? I, I think of the story. Uh, the, one, of my, one of my first jobs I ever had, the worst job I ever had, okay? I was a day camp counselor uh, for a YMCA camp in Richmond. I, I actually like kids. I think they're a lot of fun. We have enough of them in our house, you know, but I, I love kids. I love hanging out with kids. I'm a big, I'm a big kid, but, but this was a brutal job. I was a sophomore in college, and the job was this, take about 25 and six-year-olds, you and another person, and you get, to, you get to be outside all summer, 100 degree heat, and you get to, get to, entertain them, you know? You go to archery, and five and six-year-olds can do archery for about three minutes without anybody, and then for the next hour, entertain them. Do whatever you can, yeah, keep them alive in the woods, outside, you know? I had rocks thrown at me. I was called swear words I didn't even know existed yet, right? This was a miserable, miserable summer, but there was this one boy, this one boy, DJ, and DJ was a lot of fun, you know, but, but, but DJ had an issue. He had a problem. The problem DJ had, little six-year-old DJ, is he loved to pick his nose, right? So that's, that's a six-year-old thing, you know, and I don't know why, I don't know how, you can explain, you know, but DJ loved it. And the problem, though, I mean, it's bad enough, you know, but if he just did it himself, I'd kind of be like, dude, do your thing, but whatever. The problem was DJ loved to pick his boogies and wipe them on other kids. Now, it's one thing, I know some of you think this is so inappropriate, get over it, okay? This is six-year-old, this is what they do, okay? So, so he loved to do it, and so, undoubtedly, if I'm a six-year-old and somebody wipes their boogie on me, what am I going to do? I'm going to hit them. I'm going to push them. I'm gonna... So every day this conflict would rise, and I want to get mad at the kid hitting them, but I'm kind of like, DJ, you can't do that, man. I don't blame them. You deserve to get hit. I wouldn't say that, but you know what I mean? That's how I felt at the time. And every single, I'm telling you, every single sweaty, miserable day of this summer, when somebody's punching DJ, wiping his boogie on him, he would look at me and say, I'm I, I sorry. I'm sorry. Now, sweet kid. But I got to tell you, after the 30th day in a row, wiping his same boogies on the kids, 
I have to believe. I have to believe those words. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Didn't really mean what he thought they meant. Because I knew on day 30 and day 31 and day 32, and yeah, we'll be doing this again tomorrow. I don't really think you're sorry, DJ, are you? Because you see, this is it. Some of us, some of us, it's, it's not, I, I'm sorry. We, we view repentance as some sort of, I don't want to get in trouble. That's really what I'm sorry meant in that moment. As a kid pushes him and I come up and he's like, his I sorry, it didn't really mean I'm sorry because he's going to do it again tomorrow. What he really meant is I don't want to get in trouble. Please don't tell my mom. That's what it meant. He didn't mean I'm sorry. He just meant I don't. And you know, that's how some of us approach our relationship with the Lord. It's, I'm sorry, Lord, but really what it is is, man, I've messed up, and would you bail me out? Or, man, I really don't want to face the consequences for what I'm done. And it's some obligatory, soft, phony version of I'm sorry, and that's not what repentance is. So, what is repentance? Let's, let's look. Let's look again at Psalm 51 as a guide towards repentance first. First, I want you to see so clearly that David begins with confession, confession. There's no other word to describe it, that he confesses. He lays bare his soul before the Lord, and he says, here is where I'm at. It's not pretty. It doesn't look good. Uh, I'm I'm embarrassed, but but I'm going to come out of hiding. That's what happens. As you read through these first verses of Psalm 51, David is, he's not hiding anything. He's not running anymore. He's going to stop and give an honest assessment of where he's at. And you know, confession is hard. You know why it's hard? Because when we're faced with the facts, when we're faced with the facts, it's not pretty. Confession isn't pretty. You know why? Because the facts aren't pretty. You know what the Bible says? We are sinners. The Bible says that we do deserve death because of our selfish nature. We deserve everything that we're going to get. And even death. The truth is, the facts are we deserve death. The facts are we can't save ourselves. We're hopeless to do anything about it. We don't deserve God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. So you know why confession is hard? Because when we face those facts, it's not pretty, is it? It's not pretty to acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I deserve death. That I don't deserve the mercy and grace and goodness. I don't even deserve, God, that you would know my name, much less love me and forgive me and call me your child. But that's what, that's what confession is. It's laying bare, brutal honesty before the Lord. And, and that's, exactly, that's exactly what's happening here. Look, look with me at Psalm 51 for a minute. Just uh, verses 3 through 5. It's all good, but look at it again with me. I know my transgression. This is, this is confession. I know my transgressions, Lord. My sin is always before me against you and you only. Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? You're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. There's no pretty in this up. There's no making excuses here. This is brutal and honest confession before the Lord. What do I do with my sin? I I confess. I admit. I don't run. I don't hide. I don't make excuses. I confess. And that's what David does here in Psalm 51. Look, a couple more things of what confession is. Confession, first of all, is honest. It's honest. It holds nothing back. It makes no false pretense. It's honest. When is the last time in your life you were brutally honest about what's really going on in your heart? 
you are brutally honest about where you really are before the Lord. Confession is honest. Confession, you know what it does? It agrees with God about sin. It agrees with God about sin. It doesn't justify sin. It doesn't explain it away. It doesn't say, well, under those circumstances, I really didn't. It doesn't rationalize. Confession agrees with God about sin. It stands in agreement. I'm guilty. What I did was wrong. (laughs) That's confession. Finally, confession even admits I don't deserve forgiveness. There's no justifiable reason that I should be forgiven. That's confession. And that is the first step, the first step towards this repentance, this first step towards turning, returning to God. You see, it begins with confession. But next, but next, what happens? We have to choose the path of repentance. We see it here in Psalm 51. It begins with this confession. And for many of us, that's where we hit the wall because we're not willing to get that brutally honest with ourselves and with God. We're not willing to tear down the walls and stop pretending and stop running and stop hiding long enough to really confess and admit where we are. But when we are and when we do, then, then and only then we can begin to choose the path of repentance. It includes surrender. It includes allowing God to put to death those sinful desires within us. There's this word in Psalm 51. I think it's the turning point. As I read it, as I heard Rob reading it just a moment ago, if you read, you begin with these deep words of confession and lament, and you come to this word, and for me, this word represents a turning or a returning repentance. It's in verse 6. Look look with me one more time. Look with me one more time, and it it begins, verse 6, Psalm 51, it begins with this word, yet, right? Yet. Now, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to know that word represents a transition up through the for uh, five verses of confession, of lament, of recognizing brutally honest before the Lord of where I am, and then in verse six, yet. Wait, wait, something different's happening here. There's a change of tone, a change of direction, right? A, a return, a turning, right? Look at what it says with me in, in verse six. Yet you desired faithfulness. Even in the womb, you taught me wisdom in the secret place. It's just as if everything up to this point is confession and acknowledging what he's done and what he deserves. But now something's different as David writes this. Something is changing in the way that he prays and the way that he, he praises. It's as, if, it's as if he's turning the page and he's saying, but God, I confess and I admit all of that, but you have a different plan for my life. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, your will and your plan was not to be overwhelmed and overcome with sin and shame. That was not your mission. From the beginning, you desired something different for me. You created me for so much more than this. And in that moment, he's beginning to choose a different path for his life. The message of shame will keep us down this destructive path. I'm worthless. Look at what I've done. I could never, I will never. And as long as we stay there, we can never choose the path because the path of repentance is turning from that. It's acknowledging the depth of our sin, but now we have to make the choice to turn from, to return to God. What is his plan? What is his desire? And David in verse six says, oh man, but but you had something different from the very beginning. Redemption now is possible because you have a different plan for my life. And you can sense 
a, a turning in the text, can't you? You can sense faith rising up, even, even as David is desolate and desperate and laid bare before the Lord, you can sense faith beginning to rise up. Out of his confession comes this desperation for the redemptive work of God in his life. Consider, consider some of the words and phrases that David goes on to use in Psalm 51. Cleanse me. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart. Renew my spirit restore joy, sustain me, deliver me. These are words of repentance, turning from sin, returning to God who loves you deeply. So what do I do with my sin? What do I do with my sin in in David's life? He experienced the power of this truth. And the truth is this, it doesn't matter what you've done. Bring it to him. What do I do with my sin? What do I do with my sin? Bring it to him. Because when we run, what do we do? We don't come before him. We don't come before him in honest confession and transparency. What do we do? We run from him. And some of us, in response to sin, that's what we're doing today. In our relationship with God, we're running from him. Whatever we can do, however much noise we can create to distract us or ignore, run the other way. But that's not God's desire for you. Bring it to him. Some of us, like Adam in the garden, we're hiding. We're just hiding. Maybe we're terrified that a loving God would really love us, would really forgive us. Would really, maybe we're, we're terrified that our secret gets exposed and what's that going to mean? But, but today, God of the universe doesn't want you to hide anymore. Bring it. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. Bring, bring it to him. It begins with, with confessing, God, God, here's where I'm at. Not where I pretend to be. Not where I've made everybody else think I am. This is where I'm at, Lord. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm scared, God. I'm going to bring it to you. I don't know what this means for, I'm going to bring it to you. What if I get judged? What if other people find, I'm going to bring it to you. Because... Because the life of shame, the cycle of shame is destroying me from the inside out. I can't live that way anymore. I want to be free. I want to experience redemption. And so, Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance. Choosing repentance. Surrendering to him. Returning to him. He's there. He's never left. And he loves you. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Church, would you stand with me today? I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to leave this place with with a clean heart, with a pure heart. We can't purify our own hearts, can we? Man, we try. But we can't do that. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has already done the work to purify our hearts. Today, we we just got to got to bring it to him. We got to bring whatever it is. We just got to bring it to him. He can do the work. He's already done the work. And today he desires to redeem whatever's broken in your life. I, I mean, look at David. <laughs> Imagine the magnitude of that sin. Maybe today you're not overwhelmed with the magnitude of your sin, but the frequency. You, you look at your life and say, I've lied so many times. 
I have been the gossip that the time and time, maybe it's, it's not the magnitude, but the frequency of your sin today that's overwhelming today. Would you, would you just bring it to him? Could, could you bow your heads with me? I, I want to pray with you today. And I just really want to pray that online, in person, that there would, there would be nobody today hiding. There would be nobody today running. Maybe you feel like the last person in this room, that everybody else has it together and you don't, you don't really fit, you don't really, but today I just want to invite you, whatever it is, bring it to him, bring it to him. The word says that his kindness leads us to repentance. He's not a God of shame. He's not a God of guilt and condemnation. God's not bad at you today, but he invites you. He invites you to experience redemption today. Would you bring it to him? God, today, some of us right now, we're holding on to some stuff. And you want to break it off. You want to break it loose. You want to set us free. You want to purify our hearts from sin, from the darkness of the past. But we got to be willing, Lord. We got to be willing to turn return but bring bring it to you so right now we, we confess collectively together we confess that we are broken apart from you we are lost apart from you we have no good thing lord we confess some of us right now individually we, we need to confess we need to come clean with some some dark things from our past we're not proud of it we would rather hide and pretend, but, but today, God, we, we just confess, we bring it before you because today we want to choose the path of repentance, not the path of shame. So Lord, as we confess, as we return to you, would you purify our hearts? Would you heal and restore and bring victory? If you could do it in David's life, you can do it in ours. So come Holy Spirit, work, move, speak. We pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.